Sunday of 2020. Amen. Right? Let's 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 give it up for that. The last Sunday we've lasted this long. We are here. It is 2020 is almost over. Uh, today is family worship. If you're wondering what the kids are doing, they are in service this morning, so uh, they get to hear the the. Uh, the sermon and get to listen and get excited about the gospel and Pastor Rob preaching it because it's exciting. And um, we have just finished Christmas, if you can't tell. Um, and I hope that you enjoyed the Christmas season. Thank you for joining us online. We don't want to forget our online group that is here with us this morning. We, we're blessed and thankful you're able to join with us. It was a year ago um, <clears throat> that uh, we started setting up a camera right in the middle of the service here uh, with my iPhone uh, that we put on the stand. Some of you guys remember that uh, at the beginning of 2020. And that was our stream, my iPhone camera. And we streamed the service through that. And some of you watched that online, maybe. Probably not because nobody watched it. But then... We started doing some other things. God sent us some people, Eleazar, Daniel Sanders, to come alongside of us and begin this process of streaming our services. Now we have cameras, three cameras, directions. Our stream is finally uh, perfect, as Eleazar would say. It's perfect, and um, the Lord has blessed us tremendously to move through 2020 be able to stream our services and many people watch them online. But we're closing out the Christmas series. I know it's, it's, it's sad for some of you, but we have been in this series, Joy to the World, and we've been looking at the King who is coming. We started in Psalm 98 with the prophecy showing us that the Lord is coming and all creation is going to rejoice at the coming king because he's going to make all things new. Then we looked at the joy of the one who would be pointing us to the king, the forerunner to Christ, John the Baptist, whose birth would bring many joy because he would make the people ready, a people prepared for the Lord to come. And Christmas Eve, we saw the announcement from the angel, good news of great joy to the lowly shepherds who are keeping the flock because a savior has been born, Christ the Lord. Good news of great joy. And now... We look at the joy to come. Fast forward with me. The, the king has been born. He's, he's, been, he's lived his life. He's done his ministry. He has healed the sick. He has, he has opened the ears of the deaf. He's opened the eyes of the blind. He has raised Lazarus to life. He has done the ministry. People have seen him. He has taught and they have followed him. But now he speaks at the end of the ministry of the joy that is to come. Jesus again reassures his disciples that even though they will have sorrow, their sorrow will turn to joy because the resurrection's coming. 
They will be given a joy that cannot be taken away. I don't know about you, but I need some of that joy this morning. The joy of the Lord. This is the joy to come. So turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 16. We'll be reading from verses 20 through 24, and we stand in honor of reading God's word at Northwest Baptist. So let's stand in honor of reading God's word as we, you'll hear the most important thing that you'll hear all morning right here from the text of scripture, from the mouth of Christ himself, John 16, verse 20. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come, but when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you will have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Let's be seated Let's pray. Father, we ask that our joy would be made full, Lord. As we enter into 2021, Lord, we ask that we would understand the truths that our joy only comes from the Lord himself. And Father, we pray that as your people, as your church, as we enter into this next season of coronavirus, into this next season of the church, into this next season of whatever comes our way, we, Father, pray for joy that cannot be taken away. And Father, help us to remind ourselves of this true and real joy that lasts for eternity. Lord, help us to fix our eyes upon Jesus as we enter into our new year. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. My father is a uh, big sports fan and uh, he lived in Houston for many years and he was obviously a Houston sports fan. We still support the Houston Astros and are big fans of the Houston Astros. But he received a lot of happiness when it came to the Houston Oilers. You may not know who they are, but there was a football team once called the Houston Oilers. He went to every game in the 70s when they were terrible. In 1972 and 1973, they won a combined two games, one per season. Not good. But he was there with his friends standing in the stands, rooting his Houston Oilers on, watching football. 
And then in the mid-70s, there was a return specialist by the name of Billy White Shoes Johnson. And he came to the Houston Oilers. He was the guy that invented the touchdown dance. Some of you may have seen his videos. He does a dance called the Funky Chicken. It's a variation of the whip and nay-nay. I hear, I'm not sure, but I hear that. It's a variation of that. Anyways, there was some aspect of electricity in the mid-70s because this guy returned punts. The Oilers began to be good, and the Astrodome began to be full. In the late 70s, they drafted a man named Earl Campbell out of the University of Texas. If they had a video game back then, he would have invented the truck stick. If you don't know what that means, you, you'll know if you are under the age of 30. But obviously, his running style was a fan favorite, as he would run over the opposing defenders. In the 1980s, my father moved to Los Angeles, but he still was a big fan of the Oilers, watching them on Sundays with Warren Moon and the run and shoot offense, the beginning of the spread offense. This is where it began, and that's where I became a fan. 1984, I was born into an Oiler fan, fandom. And from the very early years, I can remember watching the Houston Oilers. I can remember them uh, playing a song with Warren Moon stepping on the field in the offense called Bad Moon Arising, if you know what I'm talking about. This is an 80s reference. Some of you may not. I'm all over the place here with my references this morning. But it brought a lot of happiness being Oilers fans. But then something happened. 1996 in what seemed like the middle of the night when the owner, Bud Adams, got into a stadium dispute with the city of Houston and he moved the Oilers to Nashville, Tennessee. The once beloved Houston Oilers now became the Tennessee Oilers. Not sure if there's oil in Tennessee, but they became the Tennessee Oilers, moved from the metropolis of Houston, 3.4 million at the time, to an estimated 500,000 person city of Nashville. Obviously, we were devastated at that point, and my dad said, you know what, I cannot root for them anymore. I think that I'm done. All that investment, all that happiness, gone in an instant. He was never to watch another Oilers game. And to make matters worse, they suddenly became good. They shed the Oilers name and became the Tennessee Titans and went to the Super Bowl in 1999. I say all this to say that the happiness from things in this world, they come and they go. They are like the flowers in the field in which come and go. The psalmist describes the fleeting things of this world perfectly when David writes in Psalm 103, 15, as for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field for the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, 
To those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments, the Lord has established his throne in heavens and his kingdom rules over all. You see, there is an everlasting love and an everlasting joy that can only be found in the Lord himself. You see, the happiness that came from the Houston Oilers came and went. Yet, in the passage we read this morning in John chapter 16, the Lord promises a joy that will not be taken away from you. How can this be? How do we know this to be true? How can Jesus give us this guarantee in this time, this promise, in this time, amidst this world in which we live in? The answer is found in what will come next after this conversation with Jesus and his disciples. The days coming ahead, he will be crucified upon a cross. He will be left for dead, only to resurrect from the dead, conquering sin and death and proclaiming that we will be with him for all eternity. Jesus said earlier this in John eleven twenty five. he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? This is an affirmation of what he has always already said. This joy will last forever because Christ lasts forever. Death could not hold him in the grave. He lives and we will live with Christ. Right before John 16, leading up to this conversation Jesus has with his disciples, he sits in the upper room and he washes the disciples' feet and now he gives the disciples through these few chapters in John an encouragement. Why? Because the time is coming. The time of the betrayal, the time of the trial, the time of the, the crucifixion, the time of sorrow. And Jesus has let them know in the preceding verses here that he is going away for a little while. And yet again they will see him. They are confused at this. He's going away and he's coming back and and what is happening here. And then in verse 20, Jesus comforts them. And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament But the world will rejoice, you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. When a woman is giving birth, she is sorrow because her hour has come, but when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. This is our first point this morning, these two verses There will be sorrow in this world. You see, in the beginning, 
God created man and it was good. And man walked with God in the garden and everything was provided for him in the garden. He had perfect fellowship with God, the Lord himself, as he walked through the garden. It was there in the garden that he was given a companion, woman, and they were given dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, every living thing. It was there at creation that they were created in the image of God. They were placed in this beautiful garden. And yet, there arose a problem. And there in that garden, they rebelled against God. And sin's curse came upon man, destined to to die, And with the curse came a broken world, including pain and childbearing, which is referred to in this passage, a consequence of sin and sorrow would now enter into the world in which we live. I don't think that any of us would say that we haven't felt sorrow this year, there have been loved ones who we've lost. There's been disease. There's been isolation. All of us, in some way or another, have felt the brokenness of our world in this year. And sometimes we try to escape this brokenness on our own. We numb the pain or we act as if it's not there. We try to fill our life with busyness. If only we could get through the pandemic, they say. If only 2020 would be over, they say. If I only had a million dollars, they say. If only my wife Well, you get the point. Would there still be no sorrow? You see, at the end of the day, the people that we love will some point fade as flowers in the field. Jesus, in fact, felt the sorrow of this broken world when his friend Lazarus was laid in a tomb for four days and those two words that hit us when we read them Jesus wept there has to be more can't be all that is to life at the end of the life of Christ he reminds his disciples that there will be sorrow In this broken world. This is why the song joy to the world means so much. It's because the king enters into the broken world with all its brokenness to save it. To redeem it. To make it new. 
even in the garden, even in the, the pronouncement that there will be pain in childbirth, God gives us a promise to humanity that from the seed of the woman in Genesis 3.15, that there will be one who will be born who will crush the head of the serpent. The messianic king is coming. Even though there is pain, through that pain, there will be joy. It is truly a picture of the cross of Christ. Through the pain comes joy. I don't know if you've ever thought of your pain in childbearing ladies as a picture of the gospel, but somehow, in some way, it is here, and Jesus gives us this illustration to his disciples about the coming joy through childbirth. Even though there is pain that is coming after the pain, there will be joy. The crucifixion is coming, but also the resurrection is coming. Jesus sums all of these thoughts up in verse 33. Read that with me. Of chapter 16, I have said these things to you that in me, You may have peace in the world. You will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Some of your translations, it says, in the world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Sorrow is here. But he will turn our sorrow into joy. Verse 22, read it with me. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. This is our point number two this morning and it's thus. Listen carefully. In the presence of the Lord, there is a fullness of joy. In the presence of the Lord, there is a fullness of joy. I could, I could say that like 10 times because I, my heart needs that. The Lord has come. He's lived with his disciples and now he's going away. Jesus knows that his death and the way that he dies will fill the disciples' hearts with sorrow, rejected by his own people, sold or betrayed by one of his own disciples, exchanged for a murderer, Barabbas, who is set free. He's beaten, he was mocked, he's laid bare on a cross, he's humiliated upon his death, brings so much sorrow. But the largest sorrow that will come is that he will no longer be with them. One of the greatest truths of scripture is that God's people long for the presence of God. 
one of the ways in which we know that we are saved and God has transformed our hearts is because we long for the presence of the Lord. That is what salvation really is, is a longing, it's a faith, it's a trust in God, it's a longing and desire for the presence of God, God to be with us. Revelation 22, 17 is that invitation. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Christ has died, and he invites us to come into the God's presence, into the Lord, and to be with him through the blood of the cross. It's a very simple invitation. Come. It's an offer of grace and salvation to those who are thirsty, those who want to partake of the water of life, to be in the presence of God for eternity. Jesus says, you will have sorrow now. But he reassures them of something here. Verse 22 I will see you again. He will be in their presence once more. And because of his presence, their hearts will rejoice. Psalm 16, 9 says this, therefore my heart is glad. David says this and shares this in his song. Therefore, my heart is glad. My whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to shield or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life in your presence. There is fullness of joy at your right hand. Our pleasures forevermore. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. Let that wash over you for a moment. Christ is saying to his disciples, I'm coming back. And when I come back, as he says in the Great Commission, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you always, even until the end of the age. You see, the only way that we can find this fullness of joy is in the presence of God himself. True joy is an everlasting joy, one that cannot be taken from us. An everlasting joy can only come from the one who gives everlasting life. You see, the Bible talks a lot about the presence of God with man. In the garden, the Lord walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. His presence filled 
the garden, but when mankind sinned, the Lord had to remove mankind from his presence because of God's holiness and man's sin. Fast forward, we see again the presence of God with man, again with Moses and the giving of the law, God again having to separate himself from his creation because of their sin, creating this tabernacle or this meeting place separate from the people because of God's holiness. And later, the temple in which the holy of holies, the high priest would only enter one time per year and meet in the presence of God to perform a special sacrifice signifying the atonement of God's people. The separation of God and man was magnified by this huge veil that separated the holy of holies from the rest of the temple. The separation between a holy and righteous God and a sinful man. But when Jesus comes, he takes the punishment of sin upon himself The blood of Christ covers the people of God. The veil is torn in two and God's presence is now able to dwell in God's people. This is why we can have a joy that cannot be taken away. The presence of God now comes to dwell in God's church, God's people, the body of Christ. Now we don't see the fullness, the full picture of the presence of God today, but we get to see the guarantee or the down payment, which is the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 13 12 tells us that we see in a mirror dimly. But then, in glory, we'll see face to face. Let's look at verse 23. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. This is our third point this morning and it says this. The Holy Spirit is the first installment of the future joy. You say, Rob, where where are you getting that from this text? How are you getting that point? The Holy Spirit is the first installment of future joy from this text. Well, let's dig in. Chapter 14 and earlier in chapter 16, Jesus has told his disciples that he will send the Holy Spirit to them. John 14, 15 says this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. 
So Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit throughout this section of the passage. He does so earlier in chapter 16, starting in verse 4 and 5. And this sending of the Holy Spirit is actually linked with the asking in the name of Christ. And you say, well, how does that link with the asking in the name of Christ that Jesus is talking about here in verses 23 and 24? I'm glad you asked because Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray in Luke chapter 11. And in that process of teaching his disciples how to pray, he recites the Lord's Prayer. And then he says this in Luke eleven nine 9, after he's teaching them how to pray. He says, and I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. Sound familiar? Yes. 11. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give? Wait for it. Is it good gifts? No, it says give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So what does God actually want to give when we ask? He wants to give us the Holy Spirit. What is he talking about in prayer and the asking and in and, and the, and the prayer is actually giving himself the greatest gift that he could give to God's people. What will those who ask actually receive? Let me read it again. Verse 23. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name. He will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. What is he asking? He will be asking in the name of Christ. Why? Because we ask on the one who made us righteous. Not on our own behalf. We are coming to the Lord because of what Christ has done upon the cross. We are entering into the presence of God through prayer because of what he has done. Not because of what we have done. Christ righteousness. Christ character. And also when we pray, we are actually entering the Father as Christ would in correspondence with Christ's objectives, what he wants. That's that's included in the name of Christ. When we ask in the name of Christ, we're asking in what Christ wants. Not just a tagline on the end of our prayer, in Jesus' name, give me what I want. No, it's, it's in Jesus' name, based upon what Christ has done, based upon what Christ desires for his church, based upon what God desires. We want to glorify him, therefore we ask what he wants. 
This is where the presence of God indwells us and we are able to ask God for what he wants through the power of the spirit of God interacting in this prayer. So the Holy Spirit is the first installment of this future joy. So receiving this greatest gift to mankind and asking is the presence of God himself in the Holy Spirit, but this is not the full inheritance because one day we will see him face to face. Ephesians 1.13 tells us this, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee or the down payment of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So no one can take our joy from us because the presence of the living God now dwells inside of us. But we still live in a broken world. But we get to experience and taste the fullness of joy in the presence of the Lord today. It is a reminder for us as we enter into 2021, we will have sorrow in this life. But God has made a way for his presence to dwell in and among his people. Through the cross, through the resurrection, And we experience that through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. And may we, as the people of God, as God's church, be filled with the Spirit and enter into a joy that cannot be taken away from us. True and lasting joy, not like the Houston Oilers, You see, sometimes in this broken world, we get so distracted. We find joy in things that will not last. And true and lasting joy only comes about by experiencing the presence and the grace of God himself. Desiring God Desiring to be in the presence of the Lord. May the joy of the Lord be our strength. Whatever happens in 2021. Let's pray. Father, we come before you now knowing that one day you will return in glory. That we will be with you face to face. Though we see in the mirror dimly now, Lord, we, we pray for that day when there will not be any more sorrow, where he will wipe the tears from our eyes 
Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for sending us the Holy Spirit. We, we know that we could not make this life. But we long for the perfect. We long to see your face. We seek your face, Lord. Help us to be a people that turns from their sin and walks with you. There's a people that is filled with the presence of the living God that boldly proclaims the truths and the promises of God that does not live in fear of what may come. but in boldness because of your spirit. Father, help us to repent of the ways in which we want to go or find joy in the things that will not last. Help us to find joy, peace in you. Father, we ask for your presence. We ask for your your spirit to lead and guide us. We thirst for the water of life that you freely give through Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.